This is episode 158 of the Beyond the Food Show, and today we're going to talk about why everything you know about obesity is wrong, or almost. This is my perspective on the article from the Off Post from September 19, 2018, and yeah, I don't agree with everything. So you've asked my opinion, I share. Stay tuned. My name is Stephanie Dodier, clinical nutritionist. I reversed my diagnosis of anxiety, depression, adrenal fatigue, and obesity by going beyond the food. I can tell you one thing, that willpower, discipline, and deprivation aren't the permanent solution to transforming your relationship to food. So how do you leave overeating, emotional eating, food craving, and binging behind you so you have the food freedom to achieve all of your goal and be happy now? As a top 25 alternative health podcast in the world, this is the Beyond the Food Show. It's back, our annual online conference. The Going to Beyond the Food Project is a free online conference that will teach you how to make peace with food and your body. The Going to Beyond the Food Project is a 10-day event starting October 8, 2018. I brought together 22 world-renowned experts in the field of health, psychology, medical doctors, PhD, naturopathic doctor, all teaming up to help you transform your relationship to food, body, and health. The best thing, this conference is completely free. Starting October 8, every 48 hours, you will receive access to three to four new talk, and you have 48 hours to watch it completely for free, take notes, and absorb all the teaching. And again, completely free. It's my gift to you. The key to transformation lie within empowerment. That's what I have found in my years of working with women and teaching and helping transform their life. The Going to Beyond the Food Project is just that, empowerment, teaching you what you need to do to kickstart your own transformation. So if you are ready to step into your own empowerment, learn how to go beyond the food and transform your relationship to food and body, save your seat now. Head over to goingbeyondthefoodproject.com and give me your first name and your email and you get access for free. I'll see you on the other side. Ladies, welcome back. 158. Like I was reflecting about this number when I was preparing for this podcast episode, and I can't believe we're that far in. 158 episode. Who knew that almost two years ago now, we're going to be celebrating two years very quickly, that we would get here. And there is some gem. And the more I do this, the better I get, and the more you're listening. So, Awesome. So I want to welcome in all the new listeners because over the last two months, we've had a hundred more people subscribing. And when I say hundreds, it's really hundreds more subscriber to the show and we're picking up. So welcome into all of you new ladies. Today, this episode is upon requests, which means there is a number of you ladies that have reached out to me to ask me my opinion on a recent 
article that was published by the Offington Post. And the article is titled, Everything You Know About Obesity is Wrong. It was published on September 19, 2018 by an author, which is Michael Ubbs, which I hope I'm pronouncing his name properly. And it was a controversial article, controversial for mainstream media and the typical knowledge around obesity, around weight stigma, because it shattered a lot of the belief that people have on obesity and also the perception of weight and the perception of large body and the pain that is incurred and caused by those beliefs and the judgment and the stigma, it caused a lot of controversy and people agreeing with it and people don't agreeing with it. And that's why someone reached out to me and asked me, what do I think? And I thought the best way to answer that is not just by two lines, it's by actually doing a podcast episode on it. So this is what we're going to discuss today. We're going to discuss this article, why I agree with almost everything that is being published by this amazing author, which is Michael Hobbs, but that don't agree with everything. And... For those of you who've been following me for a long time, you probably know where the sticking point that I have with this article are. But for those that are new, you probably don't know because you're not familiar with the going beyond the food approach. So this is a great teaching moment for me because I'm a teacher at heart. That's where my passion lies. So I thought we'll construct an entire episode on that. And as always, it is sustained by research and study. So here's my couple of guidance for you on this episode. First of all, you should have read the article by now. And if you haven't, you should. Because the context of this episode will really not make sense unless you've read the article. So you can go to stephaniedozy.com slash 158, type that into your browser. You'll get to the podcast episode in the show note. We'll link to the article. So read the article first, then come back to this episode. So if you haven't read it, pause right now. Go read this article. It's about 10 minutes long, and then you can come back here. And then it makes sense what I'm going to talk about here today. Before we get into this, I just want to mention if you're listening to this live, right now we have the registration period for our online conference that we do every year. So the Going to Be on the Food Project is a virtual online conference that occur every year at this time of the year. And it's about to start. So it starts October 8, 2018. We have 22 speakers, 22 topics around the tag of going beyond the food approach. So we're going to talk about emotional, mental health, physical health, experts that are my friends, people that I've met over the last year of traveling the world, attending conference or speaking at a conference. And I bring them all together and I give you free access to it because I firmly believe that healing and transformation starts with education. So this is my once a year platform to give you 23 hours of free education. So 
Go and register stephaniedoze.com slash project or directly on the website goingbeyondthefoodproject.com. And for every talk, you'll have 48 hours to watch the 45 minutes to one hour interview I did with each expert. That will come for free. Now, for some of you, watching this live is not possible or maybe you're listening to this six months down the road, it's not March 2019, you're like, oh crap, I miss the opportunity of learning. There is something called the upgraded package, which is a electronic package of all the video interview, the audio version, and all the extra bonus from each speaker that is available for you to purchase. It is $67 prior to the conference or during the conference, it will be $97. And again, if you want to purchase this, it's totally your choice, but it is there for convenience for some of you who may not have the time to watch live or for you that are listening to this posts conference and still want to have access to the talk. You can go to goingbeyondthefoodproject.com and get all the information there. So let's get rolling on my point of view on this article from the Huffington Post, and as I say, I assume that you've read the article, and I've named my podcast episode, Everything You Know About Obesity is Wrong, or Almost, for a reason, because I agree with most of the points that are in the article, A, because they're true, they're my own experience, they're my customer, my patient's experience, And they're sustained by science. So, but I don't agree with everything. And I'm going to start first by reframing the whole point of this article. When you read the article at the beginning, Michael compare obesity to scurvy. And I think it's an amazing analogy because scurvy which is a disease caused by a deficiency in vitamin C that is characterized by bleeding of the gum and rotting of the body. And that was no longer the case in the 20th century, but that was a huge issue in between the 16th and the 19th century. And here's a crazy thing. Ship captains knew the answer to prevent scurvy within their team, within their sailors team. But they didn't put it in place. The British Navy, which was the main force when it comes to sailing back in those days, were wary about the costs of expanding the known treatment, which is basically making citrus fruits available to sailors during the trip to give them the vitamin C that they needed, but they were wary about the cost of expanding the treatment and they found a cheaper option, which they thought was as efficient, but in fact wasn't. And in 1947, a British doctor actually experimented with something quote unquote cheaper. And even at that point, it took another 50 years for the British Navy to put it in place on all of their ship. And currently, that is what's happening with obesity, right? Obesity first, I want to 
ground level everyone to understand what obesity is. If you look in the Mosby Dictionary of Medicine, Nursing, and Health Professional, which is a dictionary of medical term that we use as healthcare professional, and what the definition of obesity is. Obesity is an abnormal increase in the proportional of fat cell, mainly in the viscera area, the tummy area, in the subcutaneous tissue of the body, right? And the measure of what obesity rate is, is currently standardized to the BMI. So most of you may be familiar with BMI. BMI is what doctors use, is what Jim uses to determine your level of obesity, which is the height versus the weight. I think most of us have been there. So that's what obesity is. And the crazy thing like scurvy is that for the last 40 years in America, we've started to get larger and larger and larger. 80% of the adult now are considered obese, again, based on the BMI. And I'm not making this right or wrong. I'm just saying that that's the statistic. That's the science behind the current knowledge of obesity right now. 80% of adults are obese and 30% of children meets overweight and obese based on the BMI. And the current approach that is taught in schools, in healthcare professional, conventional school, in social program, in then weight loss fitness industry is to blame the obese people for being obese. The reason why we believe as a society that obese people are obese is because it's a personal failing. It's a lack of willpower. It's a lack of discipline that leads us to be obese. And that obesity then has an entire impact on our society, on cost and finances and a whole bunch of other indicators. So there's a lot of pressure being placed on obese people of impacting negatively the society based on the assessment that they're obese and it's a personal failing of them of being obese. If they could only be stronger, they wouldn't be obese. That is what society standards, beliefs, perspective on obesity is. So I want us to pause for a minute because I know that some of you right now are raging, particularly if you are familiar with health at every size movement, but I wanted to set the tone to this is what most people believe. But what I want you to understand is that society is thinking that way for a very good reason. And that is not explained within the article. It is explained, but in a very light degree, which I think is part of the reason why I don't agree with certain statement in the article. 
The reason why society judges obesity is because of something that is very primal within us. And that is expressed throughout the entire evolution of human being. The ancient Greek actually believed in something called, I'm going to try to pronounce this right, Kalogathia. Kalogathia. So the ancient Greek, which was more than 2,000 years ago, believed in Kalogathia, which means a person who was physically beautiful was associated with being ethically good, and conversely, a person who was physically ugly was associated with being ethically bad. Of course, this sounds totally absurd in today's society, right? We don't associate beauty with higher level of intelligence, or do we? When we think about our movie star, when we think about, for the younger generation, our Instagram star, they get paid a lot of money to recommend certain product. Why? Is it because we believe they're smarter? Have they more knowledge on that type of product? In most cases, no. But they're beautiful. They respond to society standard when it comes to beauty. Why would we still react that way today? Why would the ancient Greek more than 2,000 years ago reacting that way as well? Why? Because it is wired within our primal brain. The reptilian part of our brain, the oldest part of the brain structure that have been with us as human being, have that deep awareness that a body that looks different than us could potentially have disease in it, could potentially prevent us back in the primal days, to bringing a healthy life to reproduce ourselves in a healthy manner with a body that looked different, that, based back in those days, looked different than us. So we have this deep wiring within our subconscious mind. My student will be very familiar with that, which is the part of your brain that you're not aware function. So that is buried within that subconscious mind, that primal brain to think that people that look different than you, than society promotes could potentially be not as healthy as you, not as good to associate with. And that is why, as a society, even to this day, we judge people that don't fit society standard. I know, when you think about it consciously, it's absolutely absurd. However, challenge yourself to think, do I do that in my day-to-day -day life? When I'm alone with myself... Do I look at people that are different than me and potentially judge them? 
We still do it as a society, as I mentioned earlier, right? Movie stars are paid millions of dollars to promote certain product because corporations know when their product is being promoted by movie star who look beautiful and fit society standard, they're going to sell more. They don't do that just for the fun of it. They do that because it does increase sales because people like you and me see them on TV and buy because the beautiful person says this is a good product. So understanding that when we look at obesity, we still believe that the person who's different, the person who is obese, it's actually their fault and there's something wrong with them. That is the deepest part of our primal brain and it's, yes, reinforced by society standards. But more and more, there is movement like health at every size, which you've heard me talk about a lot, who promote the fact that we shouldn't judge people based on their weight. Because more and more studies are demonstrating that people who are being shamed because of their weight, that are being stigmatized because of their weight, actually will have two and a half times more chances to gain even more weight or to become obese if they're not obese because they were stigmatized in the first place. There is negative effect on stigmatization. And that's why the weight loss industry is $66 billion strong every year because we don't want to be stigmatized because we do not want to feel the pain. Now let's unpause and with that information and that knowledge, go back to the article from Michael Obbs. The article again, everything you know about obesity is wrong and understand why there's such judgment around obesity because of our primal reaction of our potential rejection from society and because of the pain associated with it. And Michael noted in the article that he's a professional writer, so he's wrote many controversial story, but he quotes, and I'll quote him in saying, I've never written a story where so many of our sources cried during interviews where they shook with anger describing their interaction with Dr. Stranger in their own family, unquote. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. We're not here because of obesity. We are here because of the suffering that obesity cause in us. And because we're looking for a solution to stop suffering, that's the whole basis of the going to beyond the food method is stopping the suffering. We may be putting out to the world that we're looking to lose weight. But in fact, when we are really honest with ourselves, what we're looking for is the end of suffering. Let me ask you this question. If I told you that you could end suffering today, you could end stigmatization, judgment, judgments from doctor, from anyone without having to lose weight, would you still desire to lose weight? 
Would you still desire to chase weight loss at all costs? That's the question to ask yourself. My goal with this podcast, with all of my work with the Academy Claim Your Food Freedom program is to empower you, empower you to stop the suffering without having to lose weight, to make weight loss a choice, giving you the empowerment to gain control on your life, on your body, on your emotion, on your spirituality, on your mental health without having to lose weight. I want you to make an active choice based on loving yourself, not from a place of health and shame and stigmatization. Because shaming, judgment, and stigmatization, this is where I disagree, is optional. And I'll get into this as we go through more points about the article The victimization associated with stigmatization is optional. I know this is going to sound controversial. I was a victim, just as you, of stigmatization of weight. I have been an obese person since the age of nine. And I grew up my entire life through that. So I'm entitled to say this because today in my life, I no longer feel stigmatized. I no longer feel victimized because I've learned to go beyond the food. I have learned to master my mindset and my thoughts and my emotion and no longer be a victim. We'll get into that in just a bit. I wanted to share with you a couple points of where I agree with the article before I get into the disagree part. This is where I agree with the article. Diet don't work. The problem with diet is that it's temporary and mentally damaging. Even if we call it lifestyle change, which is what is trendy right now in social media, it's still a diet. It's still looking at the behavior and putting a Band-Aid on it. Here's a crazy thing. For 60 years, doctor and researcher have known that the diet principle doesn't work. And that's what Michael talks about in the article. Research has shown since 1959 that 95% to 98% of attempt to lose weight will fail and then all the weight will be gained back. And we still, to this day, promote dieting as the solution to weight gain because we believe that weight gain is the problem. Why is diet don't work? A, because your body goes in survival response. Your body, and Michael, in the article, when you read it, quotes the studies that your body will learn to function on a lower food intake to survive. We are survival machine, which means that your metabolism will go down and your body will learn to function in the same level with a lower food intake, which means in the future... You will need to consistently eat less food. Diet, food restriction. Here's my take as to why diet don't work. Yes, survival response is there, but also dieting doesn't address the reason why we gain weight. It only puts a Band-Aid on the food behavior because we believe that we gain weight strictly because of our food intake and our lack of movement. We don't address 
why we desire to overeat. We don't address why we emotionally eat. We don't talk about trauma. We don't talk about story. We don't talk about, for most of us, inability to deal with emotion. We only deal with the control of the food and the exercise. And then what happened is then when we let go of the rules, we go back to our old behavior because we never actually dealt with the reason why we wanted to eat. So the takeaway here is if you want to lose weight, don't diet. Seek to understand why you gained the weight in the first place. And yes, it could be about food behavior, but it could also be about the lack of knowledge of nutrition. Like we cannot rely on the nutrition education we're receiving in school system because that is corrupted by the food industry. So even if you heal your relationship to food, do you even know how to eat nutritionally, healthily, so your body can be balanced? Do you know which food to pick in the grocery store, which is a whole other section that I'm not going to talk about here, but understand why you gain weight. The other piece, big piece of this article that Michael addressed, which I fully agree with, is that weight and health are not perfect synonymous. And that, again, is a deep belief that we all have based, again, on what I talked to the earlier point of the podcast, which is your primal brain, right? We believe that when a body looks society acceptable, we automatically think it's smarter and healthier. But here's the truth. Now, here's where science sustains those beliefs in today's society and makes us even deeply more believing that thinner body are healthier, right? When we look at study and we publish those studies to the world to see, we claim that fat people have, example, worse cardiovascular health than thin people. The challenge is that individuals are not averages, Study have found that anywhere from one third to three quarter of people classify as obese are metabolically healthy. They show no sign of elevated blood pressure, insulin resistance, or high cholesterol. Meanwhile, about a quarter of non-overweight people are what scientists call the lean unhealthy. That's what Michael State in his article. And that's the absolute truth. We all know someone who's thin, skinny, and has a heart condition or worse, unfortunately, has passed away from a heart condition or cancer, right? Cancer doesn't select more overweight people than thin people. But you can twist the study to make that the truth that comes out because we are all afraid of different looking body. Another study that Michael quote is, and again, all the link to all the study will be in the show notes, stephaniedoze.com slash 158, a 2016 study that followed participants for an average of 19 years found that unfit skinny people were twice as likely to get diabetes as fit fat people. Habits no matter your size, 
are what really matter. Does an event indicator from vegetable consumption to regular exercise to grip strength provide a better snapshot of someone else than looking at her from across the room? End of quote from the article. Crazy, right? But that's not what's being published in the magazine and TV articles or TV shows because that's not what fuels the weight loss industry, $66 billion a year. And then when we are alone with ourselves and we're only looking at this from mainstream media, we feel guilty. We feel like we need to lose weight and we feel ashamed of ourselves because we're being told that it's our fault. And then we start focusing on weight loss. And then if we don't get ourselves of that average knowledge around weight bias, facts, and studies, we're actually going to stay there for our whole life. I was in the diet cycle for 25 years because I didn't know what I didn't know. Nobody exposed me to this type of information. The second big point around this article is around fat phobia, right? And how society stigmatize us for being quote unquote obese or fat or larger body. I fully agree with the stigmatization around obesity and fat body. But where I disagree is the victimization. Victimization is an option. We can acknowledge stigmatization, shaming. We can fight for it, which is what activists do but we don't need to be a victim of it. That, ladies, is empowerment. In my world, victimization is the opposite of empowerment. In my clinical observation, via my work, when I had a clinic in Toronto, via my programs, is that my women population, which is classified as obese, to the standard medical care, has a low self-esteem based on their life experience. And in most cases, their upbringing when they were younger children, and they don't have the necessary tools to not be a victim of fat phobia. Low self-esteem is the reason why we as women that are classified as obese feel victim. When we heal, when we change our perception of our own self-esteem, we then can put victimization as an option. That's what I did. That's what I teach. That's what my student accomplished. They have the choice to be a victim or not. Do you have that magical power, ladies? Do you have the knowledge that you are worth it, that you have self-worth to choose to not be a victim? 
Low self-esteem, low self-worth or self-worth challenges, whatever you want to call it, brings on many other problems beyond stigmatization of weight. Problems such as eating disorder, self-body shaming, (laughs) shaming of our own body, unhealthy relationship, which are so common within my program, which unhealthy relationship often leads to abuse, abuse, verbal, physical, emotional, self-abuse, like overworking, type A behavior, which are so destructive. Low self-esteem, low self-worth leads to anxiety, to depression, way beyond weight. So to think that because we are going to fit society standards, we're going to get to the non-stigmatization of our body, we're going to fix everything else in our life, Uh uh-uh, nope, we're not. Because what's causing all the other issue in our life is actually the belief that we're not worthy. So victimization from that perspective, in my experience and my clinical work is optional if we help women see their own worth. Because the crazy thing about low self-esteem and low self-worth for all of you challenged with that, it's not true. You're worth it. You're worth it right now without changing anything. You were given worth when you were born. It's a God, universe, given right. But somewhere along the line of your upbringing, of your teenage year, or maybe your first relationship, somehow, somewhere, someone made you believe that you weren't worthy, and that stayed with you. So the real work here, in my belief, is about connecting to your worth. And that will get you out of stigmatization and it will get you out of being the victim of fat phobia. You can be like me and my graduated student and many other body positive women out there who don't believe that they're not worth it and hence why they accept their body as is. You can still choose to chase weight loss, but you're choosing it from a place of love, not a place of fear. So stigmatization is real. Fat phobia is real, but it's a choice. That's where I disagree. Now, everything else that is mentioned in the article, I totally agree with. Like doctor treats obese patient differently. And there's many study that talks about that. And I've linked to those study in the show notes, but here's something that floored me. In 2011, Michael reported that the Sun Sentinel, which is a publication in Florida, polled OBGYN in South Florida and discovered that 14% of those doctors banned new patient that weighed more than 200 pounds. They refused to treat patients that were quote unquote obese. Crazy, 
but the reality. In my world of empowerment and not victimization, what I teach my students is when they're stigmatized like that by their doctor, fire them. Fire the doctor. We live in a free country. We do not have to do business, health business, with a healthcare provider that shames us, that stigmatizes us. Like, who do they think they are to do that to us? We have an equal relationship with our healthcare provider, with our doctor. Like, they're not superior than us. They are in a partnership with us towards our own patient health. That's what they are. So we need to put that relationship back in its place through empowerment. And then we realize that we have a choice. They shame us. They stigmatize us. Out the door we leave. That's empowerment. That's how we do not have to put up with this kind of behavior. Now, the same thing with what Michael calls out the fat phobia from around us, right? Here's another crazy stat from the article. 89% of obese adults have been bullied by their romantic partner. Why in the heck would someone stay in a relationship with someone who shamed them with their body? And someone with whom they have sexual relationship. The only reason why someone would stay in that type of unhealthy relationship, and you know the answer, low self-esteem and low self-worth. Been there, done that. I look back to some of my relationship and I'm scratching my head thinking, what the heck was I doing? I was emotionally abused. Fortunately, I've never been physically abused. I was fat shame like this and I stayed. Now that I know my own worth and I look back, I know that the problem was me because I stayed in that relationship. Why did I stay? Because I didn't believe I could get any better than that. So yeah, it exists. 89% of obese adults report fat shaming within their romantic relationship. But guess what? It's optional. We can leave. We live in a fake country. We don't have to stay within that relationship. But the reason why we don't live and we feel victim is because we don't believe in ourselves. Now, here's another crazy angle that Michael talks about that I really never realized for myself until I was reading it in the article. He talks about how obese individual have this unique characteristic in which they don't associate with each other. They isolate from other obese individual where that doesn't happen in other stigmatized category that we talk about the stigma around skin color or the stigma against religious belief. People will get together and associate and support each other within those stigmatized group. But when it comes to obesity, we don't do that. And I sat with that for a while and it made me realize in part why I have to 
work so hard to convince, and I don't like to use the word convincing, but that is what I feel I have to do to convince women to join my program because they don't want to be seen as someone who has quote unquote, a weight issue, an obesity issue. Is that perhaps why? I'm putting it out there because it is a fact based on the study that Michael shared that this is happening. And tell me how many groups out there are for obese women? There's not a lot because you and I would not have gone there. We would have stayed alone. We isolate when we have this obesity, quote unquote, stigma and I'm not sure why, but it is a fact that it's happening. And it, this is what I see in my practice. It takes years of suffering for a woman to finally come forward and say, I need help with this. And that's why I serve mainly women that are 40 plus, because when women are 20, they do not want the approach of going beyond the food method because they believe firmly that the answers sit within suffering and diet cycle. So food for thought on this one, but I totally agree. That's what I see in my own practice. So how do we wrap this up? I agree with most of the article, except the piece about being a victim and not having a choice of being a victim. I believe that we have a choice through empowerment. I believe that the answer to quote unquote obesity is actually within the principle of health at every size and the principle of the studies that sit and sustain the concept of health at every size. So if you're not familiar with health at every size in the show note, I've linked to the website and to the study that Linda Bacon, PhD, has done on a different approach to obesity. And there's very clear principle around it. I'm going to give you about six or seven of them. And these are my recommendation to you on how you can address or you can put a plan of action or look for an approach to help you with weight obesity, fatness, desire to lose weight, whatever you want to call it. So the first thing is the intervention, right? The plan, the game plan, the program should be focused on health, not weight. So if the goal is weight loss, run the other direction. The focus should be about gaining health and it should be constructed from a holistic perspective, which means taking into account, yes, your physical body, but it shouldn't take into account your emotional body, your social, your mental, your spiritual body. Intervention program should promote self-esteem, body satisfaction, and respect for all body size. So, if you're in front of a program that puts a picture of before and after, run the other direction. Because it's pretty much telling you that the before body 
wasn't acceptable until the now body is achieved. There is an underlying principle that they're going to teach you in that program of shame and non-acceptance. Here's another one. Intervention should convey the limited impact of lifestyle behavior, a.k.a. nutrition and exercise. If the program you're seeking or researching or wanting to pay for Overfocus on everything will be resolved with food or exercise, run the other direction. Because we know that the reason why we gain weight is not strictly because of food and exercise. It should be oriented in changing the reason why we have the behavior from a place of compassion, from a place of love, not from a place of shaming, not from a place of fear. It should be centered around love, not fear, which automatically includes compassion and acceptance. Here's the last one for you, again, based on health at every size standards. Intervention should focus only on modifiable behavior, not on weight loss, because weight loss is not a modifiable behavior. It's an outcome. The behavior sits below the outcome of weight. So chew on that. I want to hear from you. So I've done this super long podcast episode. I've put a ton of research into this, to formatting it, but now I want to hear from you. I want you to reach out to me on social media. I want you to reach out to me maybe in the reviews of the podcast on iTunes and tell me what are your beliefs around obesity and have they been challenged by this podcast episode, by the article from the off posts? Have you learned something? And if so, what have you learned? What beliefs around obesity, quote unquote, can you challenge yourself in changing? And what kind of impact can it have on your life? So reach out to me, social media, email, reach out to me via the review. I want to hear from you. My second ask from you today is to share this episode. Just like I stated earlier, the article from the HuffPost shook a lot of ground but it is still bottled down by the weight loss, the fitness industry, the food industry, who doesn't want the main public to know this because it then puts at risk their industry. So it's a, what we call a grassroots movement. So share this podcast episode with someone else in your life who needs to start thinking differently with regards to obesity in general, who needs to be introduced to the concept of why the behavior instead of why the weight? We have some great show coming up. There's going to be a live show. The next episode coming up, episode 159, is going to be a live show that we're going to record together. So I'm inviting you on October the 9th on my Facebook page to come and chat with me via 
the live broadcast that I'm going to do to answer question about the going to be on the food project. So October 9th will be the end of the first 48 hours free viewing of the first round of interview. And I'm going to be answering questions, chatting with you about the interview that you watch. So come over to my Facebook page, Stephanie Dodier, and we will be on October the 9th at 9 p.m. having a full-on conversation about the interview or answering any question that you may have. So I look forward to see you there on my Facebook page, October 9th. The link to the Facebook page will be in the show notes as well. I hope this episode served you well. I love you ladies, and I look forward to hang out with you again in the next episode. I have created an audio training entitled How to Change Any Eating Habit, specifically the one that is sabotaging you. Three strategies to create the consistency and confidence you need to change your eating habit without willpower or discipline. I did this in order to help women like yourself engage with food in a completely different perspective so that they stop craving, overeating, binging, and using food to feel better. You can put an end to the cycle of frustration, the all or nothing mindset and shame towards your own body and become a motivated, consistent, focused and self-loving version of yourself. This free audio training is about the why we eat, how we eat, so that the what we eat can be easy, effortless and pleasurable. So if you are ready to step into the new version of yourself so that you can change how you interact with food, head over to stephaniedodzie.com slash training right now.